Alright YouTube, welcome back to the Refuting Calvinism YouTube channel. Just getting settled in here in Kentucky. Just moving from North Carolina, so I'm back to getting some new videos uploaded here to help you refute Calvinism, understand what the Bible actually says about theology, sound doctrine, etc. Well today, we're going to look at uh, Consistent Calvinism. New series I'm going to be doing, um, where in this series I'm going to be holding Calvinists uh, accountable to be consistent to what their theology should lead to, what the consequence of their theology is, what it makes God look like, what it makes us into, etc. One thing that I talk about often with Calvinists when I engage them in, in dialogue over the last few years is this issue of predestination and election. It seems to be the uh, foundation for why a lot of them switch from believing what they used to believe to believing what they believe now. And they'll cite passages like uh, Ephesians 1 and, and Romans 9, etc. And, um, but I'm not going to really get into the scriptures today. I just want to kind of hold them consistent here for a second. Um, so we get to talking about election and predestination. And, uh, you know, I, I get them to see, hopefully I, I try to get them to see that double predestination is the consistency, is the consequences, the conclusion they must come to logically if they're going to hold that God picked the saints, picked the elect, uh, picked who's going to go to heaven from eternity past, then therefore he must also pick those who are damned, logically speaking. And a lot of them like to deny this. Uh, they said, no, well, God just leaves them to themselves. And, uh, but how did they get to be well, the way they are in the first place? Well, uh, I went on one radio show one time by a Calvinist, and uh, he actually admitted, this one Calvinist actually admitted, that God's the primary cause of all things. And if God's the primary cause of all things, it must be the primary cause of a sinner's damnation. But, you know, Calvinism is, uh, you know, it started back in Augustine's time. He was really the, the founder of Calvinism. But it's not named Augustinianism, it's named Calvinism. Uh, John Calvin, one of the main leaders of the Reformation after Martin Luther, uh, he wrote a lot of stuff down. And since it's named after him, I want to give you some quotes from John Calvin today. Now, now Calvin, before you get all up in the fuss, all up in the tizzy, tizzy here, I know you don't follow John Calvin. I guess what you're going to say, and I'm not saying you do. Obviously, you claim to follow the scriptures, sola scriptura. But I want to see, I want you to see that the, one of the main people who made this type of theology popular and acceptable, John Calvin, see what he wrote on this issue. And see what he says about you, those who aren't consistent enough, aren't uh, coming to the right conclusions, the right consequences regarding double predestination. So just listen real carefully, Calvinists, and listen carefully to those of you who are not Calvinists, so you can see how consistent, how logical Calvin was, how honest he was in coming to the right conclusions, and how dishonest some Calvinists are. Now those Calvinists who are out there who are usually dishonest about this situation, and what I mean by dishonest, I mean I'm calling them liars, I mean they're not coming to the right conclusions, they're not being consistent. Um, they're the typical Spurgeonite Calvinist. Now Spurgeon, from the Calvinist perspective, Calvinists would call Spurgeon, they'd call him an Arminian. And Spurgeon would call the consistent Calvinist hyper-Calvinist. But I submit to you that hyper-Calvinism is true, consistent Calvinism. Super-Lapsarianism. Okay, but let's just, let's just get to these quotes from Calvin so you can see from yourself. These are coming from his 
institutes on Christian religion, as if his former religion is Christian. I don't think it is, personally, but, um, but just listen for yourself. He says, he says, God not only foresaw the fall of the first man, and in him the ruin of his posterity, but also at his own pleasure arranged it. Listen to it again. God not only foresaw the fall of the first man, and in him the ruin of his posterity, but also at his own pleasure arranged it. So according to Calvin, and I think Calvin's being consistent here with, with his system of theology, Tulip. Um, of course, Tulip wasn't there yet. Tulip came later on from his pupils in response to their remonstrance. But the fact of the matter is, he's being consistent here, and, and Augustine was a real big influence on his life, as well as on Luther's life. He said it was God's pleasure to arrange the fall of the first man and to arrange the ruin of his posterity. Now, I don't believe that Adam's sin ruined his posterity. Um, but if you're going to believe that, this is the conclusion you have to come to, that God didn't just see it. Adam and Eve didn't have free will. No one has ever had free will, if, if you're really going to be a Calvinist. And God didn't just see Adam and Eve doing this. He arranged it. He arranged the ruin of the, his whole posterity. So, Calvinists, God didn't just let sinners uh, uh, to, to be by themselves and not do anything to them, not regenerate them, not, not give them saving faith, not give them repentance. No, he arranged their damnation. And Calvin is being consistent here. Next quote. We cannot assign any reason for his bestowing mercy on his people, but just as it is so pleases him, Neither can we have any reason for his reprobating others but his will. So it's God's will to reprobate most. It's God's will to only save a few. So it's not just God's will only to save a few, but it's God's will also to reprobate most. God does reprobate. Not the sinner himself, since God is the one who arranged the fall. He is the one who arranged the reprobation of all these sinners. Let's look at the next quote. The first man fell because the Lord deemed it meet that he should. Just something very similar to the first quote I said. Let's go to the fourth quote here. And this is a really important one here, you Spurgeonite Calvinists, those who are following in the Paul Washer range, or the Charles Spurgeon range, or even the John MacArthur range. He's leaning in that direction as well. Uh, or even John Piper. Listen to what, what Calvin says here. Now he's being consistent. Many professing a desire to defend the deity from an individual charge admit the doctrine of election, but deny that anyone is reprobated. This they do ignorantly and childishly, since there could be no election without its opposite reprobation. So, you inconsistent Calvinists out there, God, Calvin, John Calvin here is calling you ignorant and childish, because there can be no election without its opposite, reprobation. Let's go on to the next quote. Well, before we go on to the next quote, let's, what do you think about that, Calvinist? I mean, is John Calvin being too harsh on you by calling you ignorant and childish for not accepting unconditional reprobation as well as unconditional election? Don't you see how inconsistent you're being and how consistent John Calvin is being? Hopefully you do. Next quote. Individuals are born 
who are doomed from the womb to certain death are to glorify him by their destruction. And I would go back even further than John Calvin in here. He said they are doomed from the womb to certain death. No, they're doomed from eternity past to certain death, according to Calvinism, according to the God of Calvinism. Let's go to the next quote. It is vain to debate about prescience or foreknowledge, pre-science, pre-knowledge, foreknowledge, which it is clear that all events take place by his sovereign appointment, not by some foreknowledge, but by his sovereign appointment. There's no, it's vain to debate about foreknowledge, because it's clear that all events take place by sovereign appointment. Creatures are so governed by the secret counsel of God that nothing happens but what he has knowingly and willingly decreed. So, God, not only is God the author of the damnation of every person damned, unconditional reprobation, but God is also the author of evil. Author of evil. Creatures are so governed by the secret counsel of God that nothing happens but what he has knowingly and willingly decreed. Not allowed, but decreed. Knowingly and willingly. <laughs> Look at the next quote. Thieves and murderers and other evildoers are instruments of divine providence being employed by the Lord himself to execute judgments which he has resolved to inflict. Listen to this again. Thieves and murderers and other evildoers are instruments of divine providence being employed by the Lord himself to execute judgments which he has resolved to inflict. So Calvin's saying here, and he's being consistent, Calvinist, those of you who are inconsistent out there, that thieves and murderers and other evildoers are instruments in the divine hand of God, executing his will. So every time someone was murdered, that was God's will. No reason to be angry with the murderer. He was just a puppet in God's hand. Uh, every time someone stole it from you, he was an instrument in God's hand to execute what he wants. There's no reason to be angry at that murderer or that, that thief or any kind of other evildoer. Okay? And this one is probably one of my favorites from John Calvin. Listen to it very closely. The devil and the whole train of the ungodly are in all directions held in held in by the hand of God as with a bridle, so that they can neither conceive any mischief, nor plan what they have conceived, nor how much soever they may have planned, move a single finger to perpetrate, unless in so far as he permits, nay, unless in so far as he commands, that they are not only bound by his fetters, but are even forced to do him service. So it starts out with this issue of they can only go as far as what he permits. And then he says, nay, unless in so far as he commands that they are not only bound by his fetters, but are even forced to, to do him service. So every rape, every murder, every child pedophile, every homosexual, uh, every wicked thing done in the world is perpetrated by the God of Calvinism, if Calvinism is true. So, we talk about in the Bible of God being a holy God, God being a righteous God, God hating wickedness, God being angry at the wicked every day, God having a holy hatred for sinners, according to Psalm 5.5 and Psalm 11.5. Angry with the wicked every day, according to Psalm 
But here we have God perpetrating these things. According to, according to John Calvin and consistent Calvinism, is God now the author of his own anger? And, and, and the fact of the matter, this is true, if these things are true about God, if Calvinism is consistent, like John Calvin's being here, and these things are true about God, then God, there's more evil in the world than there is good, more wickedness than there is holiness, then God must therefore love wickedness more than he loves holiness. In Isaiah 6, the angel sinner said, Wicked, wicked, wicked is the Lord God Almighty. But no, they didn't say They said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So th th this is what you, it brings God down to. It brings God down. The God of Calvinism is no better than a devil. The devil is who loves sin. The devil who's, who hates holiness. The devil is who wants most people to go to hell, or everyone to go to hell. The devil is who wants people to continue in their sin. And the characteristics that Christianity has purported about the devil since the beginning are the same characteristics I see in the God of Calvinism. So I would hope that you'll wake up to the truth. You'll see the consistency of Calvinism, what it leads to, what John Calvin has said here, and the consequence of believing in a Calvinistic God. And I hope you repent and you'll come to the truth. That God's a holy God, that he hates sin, that he, he loves holiness, and he gives men free will. And the only reason there's sin in the world is because men, is, men and angels have used their free will wrongly. And God will hold them accountable, and can really only hold them accountable in, in a just way, if they've done these things by their own free will, with, with no coercion, no puppetry from God himself. If God forces people to do evil, uh, they can't be held accountable for it. So I, I pray you'll, you'll really heed these words, you'll, you'll, you'll listen to what Calvin said and either become a consistent Calvinist, which basically will make you into a devil worshiper, or you'll, you'll see the truth and come to a knowledge of the worship of the one true God of the Bible. God bless.